Hey guys, this is your host Ahmed and John, and we're back with another episode of Black Box Podcast. This episode, we're going to do something a little different, and we're going to talk about ourselves. We're going to talk about our uh, careers, or at least the start of our careers, and what makes them interesting in our eyes. So we'll cover John's career first, um, which has to do with electronics and engineering, and then we'll talk about my career, which is... um, has to do with chemistry, chemical engineering, and that kind of stuff. So we're going to do our best to keep this interesting without getting too specific on things that you might, may or may not care about. But um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we're going to just try our best not to make you fall asleep while also uh, talking about engineering and physics and chemistry, which is usually hard to do. But uh, this is going to be more about the backgrounds, maybe more like what we studied in college and the interesting stuff we picked up along the way compared to talking about our jobs, because I don't think anyone really wants to hear that. And we all have a nine to five and the bullshit. I send emails. (laughs) As per my last email. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but you know, I, for one, I'm someone who, if you know me and talk to me on a, outside of the podcast, then, you know, I geek out about electronics, coding, circuits, all that stuff. But I'm going to just do my best to add a twist it needs. You know, we're both grateful for the opportunities we've gotten, not only in our jobs now, but prior to that at Stony Brook when we were studying in college. And we want to just share some of the cool stuff we picked up with you guys. So, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, we'll get right into it. Okay, so quick little background. I, like mentioned before, work with electronics, digital design, which is, it has to do with circuits that have a specific job compared to maybe a computer processor, which you guys might be more familiar with. Um, But in order to understand all of that at the very base level, we need to kind of take a look at what is electronics and what are the principles that make it behave the way it does. I'm going to assume that you guys have heard about the terms voltage and current. They're like the fundamental and base reason for why all of electronics function the way they do. Because at the end of the day, it's really just electrons or the absence of flowing in a certain direction. And that causes components to act a certain way when it flows through them. But uh, yeah, so voltage is really just the difference in electric potential between two points. So that's like someone all the way up at the top of the hill is connected with a line all the way down to someone at the bottom of the hill. Who do you think has more potential energy in that case? It's but, probably the person you want to answer. Pick me, pick me. <laughs> it's the guy at the top. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to put it into more literal terms because so it's hard to really envision all of this stuff when you're thinking about electrons moving at a really small size, really fast. So someone at the top of a hill has more potential energy because, you know, if they just walked a little bit, they could just slide down or fall down. Or if they're in a car, you know, they're going to, they'll be able to get down the hill via gravity. In that case, that would be the acting force. And, uh, with voltage, it's just, um, it's kind of the same way, except on one point of the circuit, there's going to be more potential for that energy to flow to than the other. 
Um, and then the other important term would be current. And this is just really the rate at which the electric charge is flowing from one point to another. Higher, the, well, the units for voltage would be volts and the units for current would be amps. So the difference between six milliamps and six amps is a lot. And that means that the rate of flow, there's a lot more uh, electric charge flowing in that direction. And basically the fundamental understanding of electronics is that by manipulating these two via different sources of power or different passive components, you are going to be able to create circuits more or less. Important in everyday applications of these things would be, well, like I mentioned before, that's almost any like functioning piece of elect electronic that you use, you know, your phone, computer, TV, whatever, but you know, they're in things that you use every day, but I think it's important or not important, but it's interesting, at least to me to under or to think about while we use these things and don't even really notice what's going on. It's just a picture and we swipe up on our phone and then there's, you know, we can hop into messages, different social media apps, and that's all it really seems to us on that end. But on the other side, it's, a lot of hardware communicating with software, which is an entirely different conversation that we could dive into, but I don't know if anyone really wants to talk about coding. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to think that there's a lot going behind the scenes at really fast rates at really small scales that we can't even see without a microscope at this point. And it leads to us being able to function the way we do now. Yeah. All right. I, I guess I'll ask you a few questions. Um, some will be more specific to like your your job, and then some will be more specific, maybe to the field. But in your in your job, are you like physically assembling circuits and soldering them together and things like that, or are you working more with maybe a completed circuit and then you're trying to like prove its application for something else. Okay. Yeah. So in the, in the, uh, in the corporate world or corporate setting, when these things are done, there's usually, you know, different people for different jobs. Mm -hmm. So in my position, I would be doing more of the, I'm designing it. So I'm going to go onto a computer software and before I even build it, I'm going to prove it out with computer software and then on top of that, I'm going to test my code that would mimic the physical circuit and then try to put that all together in a, a larger software. And then at that point, once I prove it out, I would have it, you know, built by someone professional mm -hmm. in most cases. And then when that comes back fully built is when I would touch it again. And then I do verification and certain tests to just make sure that the functionality is what I wanted it to be. Um but there have been times where I've went in the lab and soldered up some stuff just to perform a test, which it would mo in most cases be on already a finished product. Yes, but I'd, I'd be adding like maybe a wire to two points just so I could test something specific. Nice. So that's like, so given that you do like a design and stuff like that, do you still believe that it is like, do you think somebody with your role would have needed 
an edu- like a college education similar to what you had? Or do you think it's something that somebody could feasibly learn on the job? I don't think you could learn it on the job. But I think you could self-teach. I do believe in that. And I feel like I've learned more than I have during school while self-teaching. But at the same time, I don't think this isn't something you'll pick up by, after watching someone do it 15, 20 times because you have to understand, okay, yeah, I want to use this part, but how am I going to, what type of power will it take? How am I going to regulate that power? What, how am I going to filter out all the noise that occurs when you're traveling or using electronic signals at super high speeds? Do I want this, do I want this value to always be up, down, depending on my functionality? I feel like every approach in engineering, at least, is different every time. So you have to have the base fundamentals down to really apply anything. It's not something you could pick up at a high level and then replicate, if that makes sense. That's that's actually pretty interesting. I I feel kind of the the opposite with my role. Yeah, let's um, go into that. Where my my job as a process engineer, um, I'm directly responsible for scaling up uh scaling up like formulations that chemists that work for my company come up with um like if they are able to make like let's just say some kind of like uh foundation just because i work in a makeup company some somebody makes a foundation that is perfect in every single way the only issue is that they made it in like a a beaker with like one kilo of mass and obviously we can't sell that to people because that is not enough to sell to anyone so then we need there needs to be like somebody responsible to bring that one kilo of mass to like a one or two thousand kilo batch where there are like kettles like this bigger than your bed like these things are fucking massive bigger than your bed <laughs> and bigger than your car that's that's a better analogy than your bed but um basically the way like as you go up in size like as like uh you're like think of a kettle where we make these products is basically a giant pot with some fancy and expensive mixers right the bigger you get the more challenges that come up with like when you're adding like something that's maybe a powder or if you're adding something like and it's dumping in and splashing you could be potentially adding air into your batch and you could cause an aeration problem therefore it won't have the right aesthetic or the right feel and all of a sudden what was perfect at one kilo is now a complete failed batch at a thousand kilos and you're wasting money and time and resources because of course it takes much longer to make things the more that you have to add in and stuff like that so my part of my job is to figure out all of the um parameters that we'd have to change or the thing like special things we'd have to do for for formula to formula to make sure that we're able to make it on a big scale constantly and con- like constantly just keep a, a stable enough supply to meet the demand of the market. 
So do you think that, that this is something that you, anyone can learn? That's why you're saying you felt the opposite because you don't necessarily need to know how physics or chemistry works to be able to do the job. All right. Yeah. So I, I studied chemical engineering in school. I learned about like thermodynamics and fluid mechanics and all of these equations and numbers and all of that. And at the end of the day, what I use every day at work is just my head. Like I, I, I don't really think that I needed to take those specific courses to be able to do my job. Like, of course, they 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 probably help in some way where the reason I think about something a certain way is because I took this course in the past. But I don't think that it like I don't think that my type of role is the type where it would be where somebody that is that does not have specifically a chemical engineering background can't do it. Even though like even across the industry, they o- they almost exclusively hire chemical engineers for this kind of role because do they think for that reason that maybe that extra bit of back background info on the topic possibly that be more advantageous. Like, like there, there are some aspects that are a bit more technical with my job. Like um, we could talk about shear. So, Shear is like the amount of mechanical energy that you put into whatever is in your kettle through your mixing process. Like when I'm making a batch, we can choose what what type of kettle we want to use, what kind of mixers and stuff. And every mixer offers different mixing, quote unquote, which gives you either like like either one could just go absolutely nuts on like a certain part of your batch and will like mix that like mix it really well and then you could have like the sweeps think of like like a KitchenAid thing that you might see in like your parents kitchen like those like that slowly rotate around those make sure that the entire batch moves around so that it could reach the other mixers within the kettle that will uh, perform like the more high intensity mixing so, uh, but the thing is that like, as you go up in kettle size, you go up in width and in height with the kettles. Now you, you have to change your, your mixing speeds to accommodate for the larger size, just because like the volume within the kettle it's and like, like the per volume kind of, yeah. And also like the surface area around the outside and of the blades that like mix everything. They're, they don't scale directly linearly, so you have to, yeah, kind of, you kind of have to like figure it out. Like our our like we have a our own like way of doing it, and we have like a reference sheet that like somebody has created and that helps us out a lot. But we still like ev- every single formula sometimes will just behave differently. Like even within one specific like within one product like i i don't know what product people like i'll just say lipstick a there there could be some shades that have the same ingredients as everything else but in different ratios and all of a sudden those shades are just constantly problematic and like it's our job to find the root cause of that and sometimes we're able to find it do you usually 
if you have two of the same lipsticks but different shades, would then your first step to look at the different ingredients between them and then Yeah. Like, yeah. So like most within like different shades of any makeup product and for the most part probably other in other chemical industries as well, the majority of the formula is the same. And then whatever formula is whatever percent of the formula is allotted for the shade for like the pigments that will yeah. make the color that that could just you could just switch up the ratios maybe take out like like we have there are so many different like reds and yellows and blues and all of that. like there's like red 7 I think red 6 red 23 red or no red 28 red 33 and like this is these are all numbers that like I did not need to know before I worked here. And to be honest, I don't really need to know them. But like, for example, I know which colors sometimes are give us some difficulty when filling a lipstick or when doing some blank or whatever. And I think that's the kind of stuff that comes more with experience. Like, I think I'm much better at my job now a year in than I was last year where I was like fresh out of college and had all of this knowledge from school that I really don't think my degree prepared me that well for my job. Like I, it's not, I, I didn't feel underprepared, but I just feel like my job is, was a type that was, that required a lot of like practical, like on the go type of thinking. And also just, um, I relied heavily on the people around me to help me out in the beginning. And now like so, we had a new, yeah. person start like a few weeks ago and now like i try to like help her out whenever she needs i think like it's it's just weird to see like the difference between our two I was, jobs i was literally just about to say i love how our episodes always like we start with the plan but then we just let it naturally go where we want to and it's like then we started talking about the differences between our jobs and important aspects about that but then before we wrap up or before we move on yeah what are, or what at least one thing that you picked up during school or about uh, chemical and molecular engineering that you think is cool or that you think like changed, changed it for you, like your perception of things, like a law or I don't know, anything? Um, I don't know if it's a law per se, but in my reactions engineering class, we learned a lot about how the scale of something can greatly affect how it reacts to base to identical things. And I think, I, I don't know. I think that was cool because once I took that class, I really started to think about all of the consumer products I use on a daily basis, like shampoo, soap, I guess those are very similar, but like you have like, like, paper towels, all the different makeup and skincare and hair care products that you can imagine, like all the, the pharmaceutical industry, even like the gas that you put in your car, like all of that has to be like, there had to be some chemical process and some chemical reaction that had to take place. And somebody had to figure out how to do that on a small scale first. And then all of a sudden, like if you're buying like like a jar of mayonnaise for example right we'll go there like there there was a vat probably like like 
10 or 15 feet high full of somebody making mayonnaise which is disgusting but like that mayonnaise just in large quantities makes me feel gross <laughs> yeah, it's so bad but i'll, I'll eat it on things like <laughs> Yeah, but like I don't know. Once once I started learning about how things change when you go up in scale and we learned about how like how to counteract the difficulties like such as like when you go up in scale you have to like consider using vacuum to avoid aeration whereas on a smaller scale you might not have to because if you if you accidentally add air to a small amount of something only a little you bit can, of air. Yeah, it's on, it's not that much air. You can get it out with some ease if you like. Either depending. You, yeah, I feel like if you put like a big air bubble in the center of your huge vat of whatever, like yeah, it's actually a bubble of air in there. So yeah, you basically you gotta get it out. Like, like if you like dump some like I, this happened with one of my uh, batches. So I just I know from ex- like I guess from experience somebody that was like the the technician who was making the batch kind of dumped a bunch of liquid in and all the splashing created made my batch so aerated did it ruin it or it was just like kind of crappy after i put i used the vacuum after and it basically just took all the air out oh so you like put it in a different container than vacuumed it all nah so the so it was on a flat thing the kettle it was in is a sealed kettle that has the ability to you close the top and then vacuum out from the side or something. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So like the, everything in the kettle stays where it is, but, and it's recirculating and mixing and the vacuum is just putting in work. It's like the opposite of pressurizing something. It's like removing the, the pressure. pressure, but yeah, I guess. It's um, that. let me try to come up with one more question. Uh, I mean, are there positions at your job where you feel like could have also fit your education? And if you went there, would you have needed it? Like, are there straight chem- chemist roles? Yes. Yeah. The people that formulate um, all like the different products that my company and that other companies like make and sell, those people absolutely need a chemistry background, chemistry degree, or anything like that because they learn, they like make things from a chemical reaction standpoint where things have to be stable. They have to, like, you have to mix things. Like, if something is hydrophobic, so where or hydrophilic, and that that difference has to do with like hydrophobic materials tend to like not like water so they'll try to separate from water something like an oil whereas hydrophilic will easily go into a water like they have to know all of that about all the different chemicals they use and they use an like an insane amount of different chemicals to make all the different products they have to understand all of that like another another role is like um like the people that do testing like on like stability testing or physical chemistry testing, like all of those types of like testing on finished products to make sure that they're within like our specifications for like consumers. Those people I think need to have some kind of background, like yet like they're using like advanced instrumentation, but at the same time, maybe they're the data um what is it 
What's it called when you like what? look at and like actually understand oh, data? Did, oh, uh, analyzing. Yeah, like like yeah, they have to like analyze their the data to make sure that everything is is okay, and then they like make a report with that as well. So I think I think there are definitely some more technical roles. I think my role kind of bridges the gap between, and I think we could say the same for you, bridges the the gap between like a technical position and kind of like a project manager type of thing where like we, we are responsible for like the, some of like the key business goals. Like we have to meet certain dates and all of that. And um, like I, we, do, do you feel like you like the, the other stuff more or like what, what's your percentage of like, I like to do this much technical, this much, whatever. Cause personally, I like the technical, but not in huge amounts because it just hurts my brain after a while, but it does give you something to like prove to yourself every time. Like, Oh, can I figure this out and fix this code or in my case, at least. So I, I think I, I like technical work, but I don't, I like, and I like working with my hands, but I like innovation related technical work. Like, um, this past summer, I had like I I was an intern manager for one of our like one of our like thirty interns in research and development, and like I made a prototype uh, of something, and me and her like we tested it out throughout the summer, and we made sure that it like it actually accomplishes its intended task, and like that kind of technical work. I don't mind doing and I love doing, but like testing or doing something like that is monotonous. I hate, I absolutely like, I don't like most lab work because I feel like most of the lab work in, at least in like my industry just testing gets very repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in terms of the business stuff, I like, I love being on calls with other departments and hearing what they have to say. Cause I like, I like having like a real understanding of how the company operates and stuff like that. Like how, yeah, like and I feel like I get a little like hype when I kind of know what's going on behind the scenes or when they fill me in the business side. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess originally you said we weren't going to talk that much about our jobs, but then we did end up talking about our jobs, but I think it came <laughs> out pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, I think we're good to wrap up, right? Unless you want to say something. Okay. I'm out of questions. Uh, yeah, this wraps up the seventh episode. Like I said, last time, we're going to try to get, you know, more consistent, maybe a little bit shorter, just like quick bursts of information or just us chatting. But, uh, I think we're starting to narrow down a plan. Let us know if you like the change or if you don't, if you want a different vibe, uh, keep reaching out with episode ideas and, uh, thank you to those have been, who have been doing so, so far. And if you haven't yet, please do. All right. Um, as always, please reach out to us um, with our email, blackboxsubmission at gmail.com for any ideas or cool uh, conversation. I- wow. Cool conversation ideas. <laughs> as always, please reach out to us via our email, blackboxsubmission at gmail.com for any type of like cool conversation ideas or anything like that. We have our social media up. It's dry, but it's up. 
on Twitter and Instagram. We are active on Instagram now. Yes, we <laughs> Not are. Not on Twitter, though. <laughs> At Black Box Podcast. No A in the black. Keep that in mind. All right. We'll link our accounts in the show notes, as always. Thank you for listening. Peace.